Welcome to the Canine Classroom, a podcast for dog owners, training professionals, and dog enthusiasts where we discuss training, behavior issues, and everything in between. We're two friends and dog trainers that share a passion for dogs. We're constantly learning and exploring to become better at what we do while also questioning each other and our own thoughts. We're here to provide helpful advice, have open conversations, ask questions, get answers, as well as hear from colleagues and experts in the industry, regardless of method and training style. So take a seat and get your notepad out because class is in session. What do they, do they make like beard gel? Like, what do they do for that? They do, but I, I stopped using it because oh, you it's, use a whole, beard it's a whole gel. thing. Not for like twirling um, mustache. Not really gel. Do you want to go into a whole beard conversation right now? Yeah, I mean, we're recording this. We might as well So apparently, it. when you have beards like this, it pulls the, the moisture away from your not moisture but like the oils it like pulls the oils away from your skin and then it dries your skin out so like you have like dry itchy skin underneath your beard Mm -hmm. the other thing that i have to do that i still do do is i like blow dry my beard because if i don't blow dry my beard i come out of the shower and it like retains the water and it just sits there all day and then it gets like it gets like nasty like it gets like itchy so I blow dry it, but then it gets dried out. So then you're supposed to put like, I do put a beard oil in it. I don't put the gels in it. The oils are just like natural oils and they just mm-hmm. like dissolve into the hair and then my hair gets softer and it doesn't feel like anything. But when you put the gels in it, it like clumps up. Like think yeah. about the gel on your hair. If you can't wash your beard out, like it gets trapped yeah. in there and then it gets nasty and then I get irritated skin from the gels. So like all I do is I put the oils in there. Hmm. But, like, I can't, like, form the fucking mustache the way I want to, like you are saying. So, but what you, you can't can just do... put it in, you can't just use it in the one spot. On yeah, you could, like you could. But then it kind of looks weird because, like, it's, like, shinier than everything else. Also, I don't really know if I want to have these seriously. They look kind of silly. I don't know. You could pull it off, honestly. What do they off. call those? So everyone knows I think handlebars. Huh? handlebars. Handlebars? I don't know. It's uh, like a, a it I makes don't know. Sense. It's got the, the curls on it, just so everyone knows for context. Just so everyone knows. Oh, you're leaving this in the podcast? Yeah, okay. why not? Um, Talking about your beard. Whoa, that's actually a serious one. You finally got it to stay up that time. Yeah, that's that one was good. good. That's good. All right. Huh. I'll All have right. To work on oh. it. I'll work on it. All right. So, um, we're talking about. So, are we going to talk about this topic or? Yeah, I guess so, since since you won't stop bothering me about it. I won't stop bothering (laughs) you about it? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Whoa. As if we had this long, in-depth conversation. tell me, you're having these conversations, and uh, yeah. (laughs) So, a topic that's been on my mind a little bit recently, part of it's because some, some other trainers had conversations with me, and then we just kind of went off on this topic but basically the idea of being i don't know how else to describe it other than saying being proactive versus reactive when it comes to playing with your dog especially puppies um i find that 
sometimes, whether it's a trainer telling an owner to redirect their dog when they're maybe seeking attention or being a little bitey or mouthy, especially with like, you know, mouthy puppies or whatever, but, or even if a dog owner just simply takes what the trainer says and then uses it or overuses it too much. I find that one of the problems is that a lot of people tend to be very reactive where like, oh, the dog's biting the furniture. Oh, the dog's on the kid's legs. Let's grab a toy and start playing with them. And then it turns into this play session. And I find that that ends up causing a lot of attention-seeking behavior over time. And that I find that a lot of people, why are you nodding your head and you're, you're touching your beard? I'm just, I'm rocking along. I'm rocking along to the music right now. That is your words. Let's go. <laughs> this is what happens when we no. do the podcast too early. Still got the caffeine in me. I don't know that we've ever done it this early. Well, we've met up with some people early, early. Those are, that was another side where it was like too early. And I took some time zones. I took something to really like be more focused today. Some like vitamin supplement. Oh yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. Got some ginkgo bilbo, bilbla, babla, What's whatever called? that's called. Ginkgo biloba. Hmm? What is that? Ginkgo? What is that? I don't know. Ginkgo. Maybe I'm saying it's so wrong. Maybe it's ginkgo. Uh, I don't know. <laughs> no, I forget what it is. Alpha brain is what it's called. Whoa, alpha brain. All yep. right. Yep. I don't know if I could be on this with you now. So uh, so yeah, anyway, what was I saying? So so yeah, I just find I just find that a lot of people, I think. A lot of dog owners, I think, tend to take the words that the trainer says to an extreme sometimes where they end up making their puppy start seeking attention. And then the puppy starts like jumping or or like asking for more attention. And then what happens? We redirect the dog with the toy and then it just becomes this whole, you know, this whole big thing. And I, I was just talking to a few trainers about this because a couple of trainers, I, I don't know, it was in like a conversation online and then. I had spoken to two or three different people on the side and they were having similar issues. And I, I think part of the problem is, is that we don't always teach our puppies. And I think we're all guilty of it at some point, but we don't teach our puppies to maybe have a little more, how can I say this? We're taught, we, I think part of the problem is we are lost in the concept of the puppy should always have choice or the dog should always have choice. And I can't help but say, like, I want to have a choice too, as the person, like I want to be able to decide when I want to play with you. I think that alpha brain's getting to your head. You're sounding like you're trying to be a little. <laughs> no, a but little I'm serious. But no, but think... Here we go. Here we go. No, but really like, I, I, like, I, I want to be able to, I want to be able to like, have the opportunity to decide when I want to play with my dog on my own terms, as opposed to my dog just bugging me or biting at my pants. And now all of a sudden I've redirected it with a toy and now it became a play session to like redirect or distract the puppy. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm listening. I have some ideas when you're go ready. Ahead. I don't, I don't want to interrupt on your alpha go brain. Ahead. Yeah, go ahead mustache man so i will first say that sometimes i do redirect puppies right 
So I don't and I'm not that saying that's bad, by the I'm way. I'm just making sure everyone else listening knows saying, that you're not like, I know, oh, because now I know how you're going to get. So let me clarify and say, I'm not oh, well, saying I'm going to get, I'm going to get, yeah, I'm going right. to get there. Don't worry. <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> I can't take you serious. You got, you guys got to see, you, just, you can play so, with his mustache. <laughs> so I know I'm doing that mostly for you. I mean, I know no one else can see it. So that's all for you. I just say, you know. <laughs> first i want to say that in terms of like you want to like you want to decide i think that's where management comes in so like whether it's a crate or an x-pen or a leash or putting like things away or setting up the environment which is about being proactive so Mm -hmm. when my dog was a puppy recently i kind of knew what i was doing every time of the day you know, I think that's what a lot of people do. They like take their dog out and don't have a plan. And if you don't have a plan, then like your puppy is going to have a plan. And then like, you're going to have to go along with that plan. And it's probably not going to be like, I'm going to lay on the floor nice and calm and watch you watch TV. <laughs> like they're going to want to bite stuff. They're going to want to do stuff. So like either manage them in a way so they can't successfully do that. Or be like, hey, I'm going to take my dog out of the crate and it's going to want to bite. So I'm going to give it an opportunity to play. You can't just be like, I'm going to take my puppy out and just like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Because then you're going to be getting mad that they're choosing what they want to do. And then they're probably going to do stuff you don't want. And then now you're getting mad. And then in that situation, if I do get caught there because no one's perfect, then, yeah, I'm going to redirect and stuff like that. Depending on the age, like this is like a sliding scale depending on the age, because I don't want to do anything detrimental to my relationship in the long run for the sake of like what I think is like a small win in the short term, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. So like, I don't want to be like, Oh, I need to teach this puppy not to bite me. But then now I'm making my like 10 week old puppy not like me, you know, so I will redirect in that moment. And then I'll take it as information for the future. Like, okay, um, my puppy is not ready to watch me eat lunch. Yeah, I think that's a good point. uh, As well. uh, But you're just saying is, is like, all right, so this happened. What do I do the next time? Because that was something. Here we go again with the mustache. Every time you talk, <laughs> every I'm time do it. I talk, you're just gonna do it now. I'm gonna do uh, it. Because that was one of the things. One of the trainers I was talking to was explaining how they were using a certain technique to redirect the dog when the kids were like getting ready for dinner. And so it was always the same thing every night. And what ended up happening, it started getting worse and worse and worse. And it was really just the puppy learning that if I do this, they're going to play with me. It was, it became this routine every night, this attention seeking response. Whereas if you just take a step back for a second, okay, maybe that's not the time the puppy should be loose when the kids are getting ready for dinner. Maybe that's when the puppy needs to be in its crate with a bone or a Kong toy or something like that, or in the playpen or whatever. So I think, I I do think you're making a good point in terms of, in terms of like having a plan or at least, okay, we made a mistake. Everyone does it made a mistake. How can we look at this better the next time? Or what can we do better the next time? The other thing that I've been thinking about a lot lately, when I look at what I do personally with my own dogs in their day-to-day life, not when I'm training them, is I say things to them. A lot of times we think about 
words that we say to our dog as like a cue or a command that we're giving to our dog to tell them something that we want them to do. But a lot of the words I say to my dogs in my home is actually letting them know what I'm going to do. And I say it to them as if I'm commanding or cueing or whatever you want to call it, them. But what I'm really doing is creating a clear expectation of what they can expect from me. And I think that's what a lot of like the puppy biting and biting on your legs and trying to play with you whenever you feel like it. I don't think of it anymore as much as like, well, I want my time and I need to tell this dog to like leave me alone or else, or else I'm going to punish it or I'm going to do something or like I need to do something to the puppy. Instead, what I do from a very early age is like, if my dog goes up onto an elevated surface for an example, for example, that I don't want them to, I, I just say off, but I don't expect them to get off because they don't know what the hell that means. And I just gently pull them off of the leash. And I just do that a lot. So like the word off in the beginning is never like, I, I'm never saying off to a 10 week old puppy and thinking that they're going to be like, oh yeah, I know that word and getting off. Like <laughs> I say off and what I'm doing is I'm basically giving them an expectation of like, if you hear me say the word off, I'm just going to like gently, like sometimes I just gently like nudge them off or pull them off with a leash or do something like it's not terrible at all. It's not a punishment. It's nothing. It's like guidance. If I tell my dog, let me think of something like if, if yeah, I was going to say, can you give an example of, yeah, like I'm giving like another before. example of like where I'm giving myself the cue, not so much the puppy. So like if a puppy starts biting on my leg, on my jeans or my pants, I'll say off. And then like, I make my leg not move. I make my leg not fun. You know, Mm -hmm. same with a toy. Like if I take a toy out and I say, take it, I say, take it to the puppy, but I don't expect the puppy to know what take it means. They, They have no idea what it means. So after I say, take it, I move the toy. So take it like in the beginning is not even a cue or, or, or a signal to the dog to take the toy. It's like letting the dog know, like this toy is now about to move, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's more like important that I know what the cue means. So like, to me, when I say, take it, toy starts moving. When I say, drop it, toy stops moving. So then if the dog bites my pant leg, I could technically say, take it and start moving my leg. And then I could say, drop it. And then I stop moving my leg. Do you know what mm-hmm. I mean? Do you know do you know what I'm kind of saying? Yeah, I I yeah, I think um like Kim Brophy talks about uh narrating certain things in the dog's life throughout the day. Uh that's that's one of the big things she talks about and we do it the reality is like all of us whether you're a trainer, whether you're a dog owner, like just your everyday dog owner, whatever you want to be, you know, you're, you're all, everyone's talking to their dogs somehow, mm-hmm. you know, they're where everyone's like, how many people do you go to their homes? And, and like, they say, do you want to go for a walk? And the dog knows what those words are. And they run to the door. Like you didn't, yeah. you didn't just train that in a training session. It was just this predictable pattern that occurred over time because you were consistent with it. Mm-hmm. And I think that's kind of what you're getting at is doing, doing certain things like that can create some some consistency or predictability of certain things 
as opposed to so a little uh, again more of that pro- being proactive in a way and then it sets a clear expectation for the dog because a lot of dogs that are getting frustrated are getting frustrated because they were expecting something they were mm-hmm. expecting something that was reinforcing and they're unsure of how to get it or they're mm-hmm. unclear or they're unclear of when it's available and when it's not available and like either extreme could be bad if it's never available now you have a dog that's bored and then like just trying to figure out any way to make yep. something fun happen or yep. you have a dog that thinks that like there's always a possibility for something fun and reinforcing and then when those times were like you're on the phone or you're sitting down for a second or you're busy and you like literally can't then that dog legitimately is stressed out because they're like, wait, like, why not now? Especially depending on the type of dog you have. Yeah. So, you know, like, so another example that I do is like, you know, I'm sitting here right now. Zim is behind me. He's playing with a toy. Every once in a while, you see that he's coming over here and he's like, oh, maybe he'll play with me. Now I've taught him words like, hey, like all done or enough or go chill out. And that basically is not a cue to him in the beginning. It was letting him know I'm not playing with you. So now if it's at the point where I'm sitting here talking to you, twirling my beard and every once in a while he'll come over, he'll look at me and he'll chomp at me. And because I don't engage with him, he just goes and he lays down. He doesn't think that maybe there is a possibility that he's going to play with me right now. Like it's very clear. Now, if I started playing tug with him while I was talking to you here, well, now I could be possibly creating a problem because then if he tries in 20 minutes to come over here and play tug, but then I'm engaged in a more complicated conversation with you and I don't feel like doing it now he's like wait this is the same picture as before but now I'm not getting the reinforcement I was expecting so now I'm I'm pissed off or I'm frustrated or I'm just confused and who knows he might just go and lay down but with a more with maybe a dog that's more prone to frustration or maybe persistent um he might drop the toy and start barking at me and then now because there's barking now I need I want the barking to go away because I'm on a zoom call so then I I go and I think to your point with you're saying some people do is is now I'm picking up a Kong with peanut butter and I'm giving it to him to give him something to do but then now he goes "Ooh, like yeah wow I got like I yeah. you whereas because, like you right know. yeah like whereas right now like my dog's over here just chewing on a bone but like as at, when I got her as a puppy every time I had zoom calls phone calls I would already set her up prior. So that mm-hmm. way this just became a regular thing. So she's just over there minding her business. Playing yeah. by herself. Now um, the hard thing is if your dog came over to you right now and started barking at you, like you have work to do and this isn't the place to be working on it. Like yeah. now you got to go back to the drawing board and your dog is probably going to be exercised trained and then put in a different room or in a crate with a Kong or a busy bone or something away from you then you come in here and you do your podcast and then you leave because you're not ready for that yet so like you can't just listen to this now and tell your dog that barks at you and attention seeks like like hey go chill out like no like this is something that you have to like develop from a very very early stage and if you didn't like you just have to start training it now but in places where your dog is going to be able to deal with it right because it is frustrating um to them in the beginning and i guess what to like my point before is it was kind of going back to what I was saying before. Like, I want to, I want to be able at times, I don't want the dog to just decide when, when it's time to play. Like, I think that the, the idea of a dog having choice is good to a degree, but some dogs, depending on maybe their breed or their personality, some dogs might make bad decisions. And Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we need to also teach owners how to decide like when they want to be proactive so like if they want to play with your with their dog for example what you said before using words like saying are you ready 
how many owners I go to that already say that they don't even realize that they're saying it, you know, like they just, are you ready? And the dog just perks up and they know that it's going to mean something's going to happen. Right. So I think that just, just teaching owners some structure in that way, I think can be really beneficial because it can really help a dog who's confused and trying to figure things out. Like what you're saying to your point, where they might be starting to beg for attention or start doing something to create some fun or whatever. And then it just kind of snowballs into something way worse a month later. Yeah. And dogs are really good at picking up little tiny signs. Like an example, every week when we do this podcast, when I say goodbye to you, I guess we say it in a certain way. Oh yeah. Talk to you later. Zim picks up and gets excited. Like he knows that it's over and that it's like, you know what I mean? Like he gets a little amped. So sometimes I'll say that to you, I'll sign off and then I'll like sit on my computer and just do like whatever. I'll check emails or do something um, to throw him off a little bit. Um, and not that it's yeah. even really a problem. If I wanted to, I, I, I could do that. You know, I could just like be like, all right, like we're done now. We're going to play. But, but that may bleed out. Him. That may bleed out into one day you being on the phone with. Yeah. And I say, OK, see you thing. later. And then, yep. yeah, exactly. And then that's why, you know, maybe I'm crazy, but that's where I notice that he's doing that. And then I throw him off. I'm like, ooh, I must have one time in the past said goodbye to you, mm-hmm. shut the laptop off and then played with him immediately after. I don't want. And this is just me personally. Someone listening to this might say, like, I don't care if my dog does that. Then fine. I don't care either. I don't have to live with your dog. But like, you know what I mean? Like, um, you know, I once I notice, I'm like, huh, you know what? Like he's starting to pick up on like this is the cue to start playing like or training. I'm going to throw I'm going to throw him off of that because I want it to ultimately be like either my words or because it could even be a context cue too. like a, a lot of uh, clients. And this is something where it could be totally fine, where it's a toy. So like if you take a toy out, the dog gets amped. Um, and I think I'm pretty happy with, with what I've done with Zim. Like I can take one of his favorite toys out and he almost has no change in excitement level, like maybe a little bit. And it maybe depends on the situation, but, and, and I'm hoping it'll get better over time. But the, the way that I think of it is, is his toys are almost like a television or a video game. And without the power, without turning it on, it's not really useful for him. And the turning it on is is me and him together. Now, sometimes he might pick up a toy and come over to me. And if I want to, I could let him open that window of opportunity to start playing with me, which is totally fine, as long as I can also say, hey, not right now. And I think most people, at least people that I train, don't really need help with the turning it on. Their dogs are already doing it. So if someone's listening to this, like, oh, my God, like, let your dog, like, let your dog seek. And if you have a dog that doesn't seek a lot or doesn't play a lot and then they start seeking, like, for sure, do that. But a lot of the people that I'm working with have dogs that are on all the time. They're constantly going like you could pick up a piece of fuzz off the ground and they're bouncing off the wall to play with it. So those are kind of the people I'm talking to right now. Not someone that's like, you know, my dog barely wants attention from me and barely wants to play. Like then this isn't really the, I think it's also important to, uh, to mention that I think it also depends on the dog themselves. So if it's a dog who's really um, scrappy and playful, like, like there's like those really like playful scrappy doodles that we see all the time. There's really mm-hmm. playful and fun. Um, you know, like just any, any of those types of dogs who just have a lot of personality really want to play all the time. Those are the dogs who need a little bit more 
guidance structure in their life so that way they can coexist in the home maybe more peacefully with their people. So I just want to recap what I'm saying so I make sure that I'm clear and that I'm, I'm saying what I'm trying to express correctly. So uh, sometimes what I think is that we need to maybe do a better job at explaining things to our clients and provide them with more proactive solutions rather than just reactive ones. So like I know sometimes I might leave a session and be like, damn, I wish I said something like this or that or whatever. So I think redirecting dogs, especially puppies is important and it's necessary But I also think taking a step back, like to your point, and looking at the situation is important because if we could just redirect a puppy that's biting the kid's pants and we constantly just pull out a toy and play, then we have to understand that that puppy may start learning that biting the kid's pants is a way of initiating playtime or that attention-seeking behavior is going to be reinforced accidentally and the puppy is going to learn that that behavior equals play because, uh, or so that behavior um, equals that redirecting equals playtime, if that makes sense. So I think that rather than just being reactive, we need to be more proactive. So for example, like with Quest and Journey, when they were puppies, I would provide them with a bone on their dog bed in the kitchen while I was cooking dinner. So that way they were occupied rather than just counter surfing for food or left to their own devices to cause, uh, you know, to cause a problem or possibly uh, get in trouble uh, of some kind. So I, I didn't want them learning a bad habit. And just to my point on what I mean about also wanting to be able to decide when I want to play with my dogs. What I mean is that I don't want an owner to just redirect behavior and then it becomes a play session or, oh, the puppy is being annoying. So I need to take the puppy for a walk because he's being a pest. Now, yes, we do obviously need to make sure that our dog's needs are being met by providing them with proper mental and physical enrichment outlets. That's really important. But I also want to be able to have, like what you said, Vinny, a plan. So, okay, I'm going to play with my dog now. And maybe the way you do that is by having a phrase that indicates it's playtime. So that way we provide some information to our dog because I feel like doing something like this helps provide some clarity or some more information to the dog or, or the puppy, which can then help reduce that attention seeking behavior. Yeah, I agree completely. I agree completely. Is that it? That's all you had to say? You're done? (laughs) It's over? Are you uh, giving me the cue that it's time to go? See you later. It was a nice short episode. That was funny. That was it? All right. See you later. Homework for this week is... uh... That was it. Really? That's it? I'm ready to keep going. That was like 20 minutes. Let's go. That could be the shortest episode we've ever done. Shortest episode? Nah. What do you guys think? I think we should keep going. <clears throat> so how do you think this stuff relates to, you know, we're talking about toys, but I feel like I take this further to the expectation of pretty much anything that the dog finds reinforcing. If you if you look at a dog that gets, I'm sure you have this. How many times do you hear, you know, my dog 
my dog listens maybe maybe your answer will be a little bit different because you deal primarily with dogs that are that are aggressive and anxious but i want you to i want you to think about dogs that aren't that aren't uh, maybe you know maybe they have some aggression issues but they're not anxious or in in a in like an anxious mental state when they go out but a dog that doesn't listen as much when they're like in a field or hiking or out and about and it's not related to stress or fear um how much of that is because they've had expectations about something super exciting that they think that they're going to get, whether it's like swimming or sniffing or, or being engaged with training or playing with other dogs. Right. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's like shifting their, like, I feel like in order to help shift their emotional states, you need to be really clear about like what their expectation should be. Do you know what I mean? Like, can you, like, how would you suggest teaching a young, happy, wild Labrador to go to a field one day Mm -hmm. and play frisbee for 30 minutes and then go to the field the next day and chill out on the sideline and watch a kid's soccer game i think yeah i think you want me to answer that or yeah yeah uh, i think so i could tell you with what i do with my dogs which is i'll have two different words so or I, i shouldn't say just two different words or phrases but like i have different phrases that mean different things to provide that information. So if I say, if I say, are you ready? It's usually an indication for play. If I say want to work, then we're training. So if I want to, if I wanted to say like uh, what I started to do with quest is I want to go to places where I've done a lot of training and play and have her just hang out because one problem I've actually recently been running into is that she's expecting to play. So I start, I, I started teaching her like, a, I don't, the phrase, I forget what the phrase was. I think it was like, let's hang out or something like that. And it just means we're just sitting down or laying down, hanging out on the field. And then we may do something else after that, or we might leave and go for a walk or something like that. So that's, that's generally how I like to approach it because at least you're telling the dog what to expect from you as opposed if you just go there how do they know whether we're going to go hiking playing or whatever it is that you're doing now what if they're now what if they're getting something from the environment that you don't really have control of so like say you have a dog that just really loves sniffing Mm -hmm. and maybe that's what's setting them up and getting them super excited um uh, do you stop them from doing that? Do you, do you make them do something else instead? And, you know, I think, I think this is why sometimes I get, uh, I don't know how to say this the right way, but if, if you constant and back to your original point with the redirection, right. Is like, if your dog is pumped 
about a location and then you take out food and then you take out toys and you're just like bouncing from one thing to an to another without really telling that like I think there's a difference between taking that drive or energy or whatever you want to call it and just putting it into other things right like like get out of the car and teach a hand touch and then start tossing treats all over the place and then get the dog to hold the toy or like like you're still you're just deflecting it you're kind of Mm -hmm. deflecting it which is fine I'm not like I'm not saying I don't do that or I haven't done that but I feel like there's a difference between that and then truly teaching a dog to just like relax but wait are we uh, but when you're saying this just so I understand are you saying that you're that you're is that what you're taking from what I said or you're just saying that's what people do because no i think my original thing with what you said the the original question sorry i did a vinny question where i bounced all over the place (laughs) your your example made a ton of sense and in my mind and correct me if i'm wrong it made sense from the perspective of a dog that's going to a place like you said you bring your dog somewhere and then like you do work like say you play play frisbee or you do herding or you do agility or you're doing something with your dog what i was trying to say is like what about a dog that like doesn't need to be playing or, or doing something, but it just finds the environment. Like it comes out of the car and it's like, okay. like it's thing is not related to the handler. So the handler can't control, like you could go to the field with a Frisbee one day and then the next day, keep the Frisbee in your, in your, in your jacket or, or your book bag and say, Nope, today we're just going to chill. But like, if you have a dog that's super into like sniffing new places, like you can't, you know, block their nose, they come out of the car mm-hmm. and like they're accessing it immediately. Um, I think that's where I went off. And then I went off on Got a it. tangent of like, to to help a dog like that, you might get out of the car and teach it like a hand target or a place. And then you're like immediately going into training and then you're like deflecting that energy. Okay, and, got it. You know I'm what I mean? Saying, and what you. I'm okay, saying yeah. is, it, is yeah. it better and is it possible? And I feel like this is something I've been doing more with my new puppy that I feel like is making me think it is better to just set him up to a clear expectation of like, we're doing literally nothing. Like you're not getting a toy. You're not getting a treat. Because and it might be his personality, but like he want you've met him, like he wants to go and work. Like if I take out a cookie, like, yeah, now he's in work mode. Yeah. And then if I take out a toy, now he's in play mode. And then if he's going back and sniffing, then now he's in sniff mode. So like, it was kind of important for me to teach him like a, like a, like an off switch on the move, you know, like, I feel like people say off switch a lot as like, can they put their dog away in a crate or can they like, you know, chill their dog out, you know, in an X pen or in a room or something, but like taking that on the move first starting, I think it all starts from being able to do it outside of the crate, right? Like being able to tell your dog in your living room, like, Hey dude, like don't bite my pants and go, no, I'm not giving you attention. And like, no, you're not getting trained right now. Like you just got to chill. Like you're not going to do this in a field, but if you do it, you know, when they're a puppy with like, whether it's a crate or an X-Pen or a room or wherever you're teaching them, and then you do it with you in your house, and then you do it in the backyard. And then can you literally bring your dog to a brand new field that's never been to and just be like, hey, dude, chill. I'm not doing anything. Relax. Um, I feel like there is value to that. And I think it all is related to that same concept of like the expectations, because you know, if you take your dog in the car and the only place you ever go is hiking or to the dog park or to, you know, whatever you're doing or to a friend's house with a dog and they're playing. Well, yeah, once that dog goes in the car, they're already jacked up. 
And then the one time you need to bring them somewhere and have them chill. Well, like their expectation is like, dude, we are getting like, you know, like this is, we're doing this right now. Yeah. You know? So then that's where you might have some behavioral problems where like you want to take your dog to the park one day, but then you want to take them to like a coffee shop the next day. And I I think, I think that, so I think to answer your question, there's not, I don't personally, I don't think there's one answer. So I think it's really going to be dependent on the dog. So if the dog is sniffing around because they're a little bit maybe worked up or anxious, sure. I'll let you sniff around and explore if you need to get that out of your system. Mm -hmm. I do think that there's value in teaching going off of what you're saying, teaching certain things at home and then being able to bring that on the road somewhere that way. Okay. Can you stop maybe excessively exploring and just kind of hang out over here with me right now? Um, you know, I, I, I that's, I, so I don't know that like, I think there are some dogs who, yeah, they're going to just have to go on the sniff. I think that it's important that we teach them to stop or have that off switch kind of what you're saying. I do think, again, I do think it depends on why the dog is doing it. You know, if some dogs are going to be a little bit too worked up and anxious, does that mean now, does that mean if you stop a dog from sniffing, are they going to get more anxious? I mean, that's, that's a toss up. I think, yeah, maybe some dogs will, but maybe in the long run, it's going to be beneficial for them possibly if you can help them learn to just kind of. Yeah. I want to, I want to be clear again too, because I'm already like listening to the, the, the thoughts in my head of people that might be completely against this. It's hard because I'm against even the stuff that I'm saying, depending on the dog. Right. So Mm -hmm. like, I think it's important. Well, that's why I'm I'm clarifying. Yeah. Yeah, Like when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about a very specific dog. Like if you have an anxious dog or a nervous dog, or maybe a dog that's reactive or a dog that Mm -hmm. is like, maybe has some aggression, aggression issues, or can be aggressive at certain times. Like that's not really the dog I'm thinking about. Right. Like, are you, you're at the same page as me with that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, like I'm thinking about like the old, I just wanted to clarify. Yeah. 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 No, I'm glad you are because yeah. Like if you're listening to this and you're like, Oh, well, my dog is like, well, yeah, we're probably not talking about that. But if you're, if, if you have that like wild hoppy bouncy, like vibrator type dog, that's just like all over the place, you know, like, I think it's also, it it also is very um, similar to the leash walking stuff. And I think that's why a lot of the leash, the leash walking, Uh, things that I that I saw and I tried with my Labrador like never helped me because it just was like pouring gasoline on a fire of like of arousal it was just like up 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 like longer leash more treats pattern games like reward and then like look at like look at that and it's like the dog was like was like a ping pong ball bouncing around like a maniac Mm -hmm. right because it was like pop him out of the car make him do some hand targets get him between your legs so start clicking and rewarding and he looks over there and click entry and i'm not i'm not talking shit on any of these methodologies because they it, it depends on the dog but like i was yeah i was going to say i mean cuz the reality is yes i think that some dogs it can definitely be fine and work yeah, for them. Yeah, yeah, for some dogs it can. But like if if my dog is on a six foot leash, he's gonna hit the end of that six foot leash. And if I put him on a 10 foot one, he's running to the end of the 10 foot. And if I put him on a hundred mm-hmm. foot one, he's running to the end of the hundred foot one. Like it's yeah. not like, oh, if your dog's pulling, you yeah. just need a longer leash. Like, no. 
like for some dogs yeah and and most people they are too tight on their leash and like i agree with all that so i'm not i'm not coming out and saying like i disagree with all that but like when you have a dog that is scared of nothing and super confident and super wired and like very much wants to work and do stuff um and you don't ever teach them like hey like there's no treats there's no treats available right now on the walk right because like you know, you're rewarding a check-in and then the dog's checking in and then checking it. Like what happens if your dog is checking in a hundred times a minute? Do you really even want that? Like, I don't know about you, but like, I, I want to walk my dog in the woods and like, I don't want him to have to check in at all. Not because I don't care about check-ins, but like, why do I want my dog to keep looking at me? Like, I think that's weird. I want my dog to walk. <laughs> like I want my dog to walk. Now the, the flip side though, again, is like, at least my dogs, maybe I'm the only one with dogs like this. I'm pretty sure I'm not is like then they want to just go and pull me over and go wild so i can't have that either and if i'm getting them to check in they're like oh, why are you why are you making me look at you i don't even want the food you know so and and that's i don't know now i'm just rambling but that's why i think you know even on my walk i have the same thing as what we we're talking about in the house like i i have a type of leash walk that i show on my instagram where it's like the dog is just expected to get nothing, but like, you just have to walk by my side. And it actually helped calm my dogs down, you know, um, because I felt like the constant rewarding and constant treating and constant everything just was making the whole scenario of the leash walk super pumped up. And then if I didn't give the food, then they would get like, you know, why am I not getting treated anymore? And even with random schedules and all that type of stuff. Well, also, and that's if the dog is even interested in the food rather than the environment yeah. to begin with. And, mm -hmm. and to your point about like that video that you have on Instagram, I mean, the other thing with that is I don't want this to sound uh, the way it's going to come across, but it kind of eliminates the opportunity for let's say the dog wasn't interested in food they were just interested in exploring sniffing the world it kind of eliminates the opportunity to be dragging you around the dog can sniff and explore as long as they're not dragging you down the street mm -hmm. you know so again that but again that has to do with like that has to do with the expectations or the the rules that you were teaching essentially and again, some of that back to what I was saying before is like coming up with these phrases or words that doesn't really tell the dog to do something, but lets the dog know what I'm going to be doing. Mm -hmm. Like when I tell my dog with me, I shorten my leash. You know, mm -hmm. I stop my dog from reaching or going to certain things gently and I redirect their energy to whatever place that I'm going. And I don't you know, like there's times where I will reward and I'll have, I'll have, and I'll be clear about that. But for the most part, it just means like, Hey, I'm going for a nice, calm, gentle walk right now. I'm not taking out toys. I'm not getting you all jacked up. I'm not doing a bunch of training and it's clear. And my dogs don't get frustrated because they know about it. And I taught them this very slowly over, you know, months of time. It wasn't like, I just like, you're going to go out with your dog right now and just say enough and then walk down the street and they're going to be used to it. Like, and I know it might be coming across like I'm saying I do that, but like, no, like I taught them these con, like it was teaching them a concept and then the concept carries over into everything. Yeah. And, and to be clear in terms of like training, since we're saying we're training, we're teaching them, it doesn't even mean that 
it's something like how you would teach a sit where it's just this repetitive thing all in one like sitting right mm -hmm. so for example it could just simply be that let's say what what's your word for when you're done playing is it i just i say enough enough okay so so for you you say enough so when you say enough you just stop playing or you might put the toy away and then go to your laptop or do something just as an example um you know, so like it, it doesn't even mean that you're sitting there actually training them these things. You're just kind of doing it in the moment, if that mm -hmm. makes sense. Um, yeah. And like a lot of people are doing it, it's just putting a name to it. Yeah. It's like putting yeah. a name to it. And then to be clear too, like with the leash walking thing, because I could already hear, I could already see people getting mad about the way I'm describing it, is like when Zim was a puppy, say I went for a walk for like 10 minutes like eight of those minutes, he was just like free on a flexi leash on a harness going literally wherever he wanted to. Mm -hmm. And then for like another minute, I like readied him up and did some training, like very brief, like heel by my side, sit down, blah, treat, 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 treat. So then there was a treat part. And then maybe I sent him free again for like another 30 seconds. And then there was like one 30 second period of time where I asked him to like walk with me nicely by my side without getting any rewards or toys or anything. So like 95% of the walk was like the other modes. Like I primarily had them free. Like you were completely like, as opposed to like my, my previous dog, it's like, I would go out with the treats and the cookies and I had to keep them like in drive the entire time. Or like, you have to follow me around and get treats. Like that's what I completely did differently. Like I don't, I don't really, uh, not that I don't want to say I don't agree with it, but it didn't, it didn't work for me in the past with certain dogs that I had. Um, I would rather let the dog be free, especially when they're a puppy, because they're not really going to run away that far anyway. You know, like in general, um, you can control them much easier. They're not 90 pounds. So, you know, yeah, I put yeah. them on a, a back clip harness on a long line and I just like milled around. I let him explore and sniff and run around. And if he came running over, I would I would pet him or I'd say, hey, good job, bud, or give him a treat, whatever you want. Um, I would say my ready word and then take out the food the food would start coming. I would get him. I mostly did luring and marker training. I just taught him what the markers meant. And then I would send him free again. You know, I have a question done. for you. Um, I, I just, when you said ready, I was just thinking, so I'm curious, do you have a separate word for play versus training or you have the same for your dogs? Yeah, I'm trying to come up with, I, I have like, I have too many now, but, um, I was just asking, cause for me, I, I started ones. differentiating now. I started differentiating food, toys, and then like, like Mondo ring training mm. because I kind of wanted to compartmentalize that. And I don't even know if it's going to stick or if it really matters at this point. Like it's, it's very environmental. Like he knows when he's at the field training. Yeah, I was going to say, uh, yeah, yeah. But I just do it because it's free. I just have to say a word and I'm like, maybe this will stick. Maybe it won't. Who knows? I feel like they pretty much learn type of stuff like that. The only reason why I feel like it matters to differentiate between the food and the toys for me is because like he really like he's starting to get to the age where he's favoring the toys more than the food. Um, and I don't want again, all about expectations is like I don't want to say a word and have him expect something and then be like, oh, shit. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, no, no, like I, I was agree. expecting a toy yeah. and you're trying to give me food, yeah. you know? So yeah. I, like when I'm, yeah. When I'm using toys, like I said, I usually say ready. And then are you ready? And then when I'm using food, I say want to work. And then for herding and agility, 
I don't know that it, I, I haven't been able to tell honestly if it's worked or not, but I do yeah. use, I do use both of those words as indications to say like, we're going to agility or, you know, we're going to be hurting or whatever, but I, I haven't found that it, I don't know that I've found that it really has clicked. And I, I want to say maybe some of that's just simply because agility it's once a week. If I'm not doing it in my yard, that's different. But if I'm going to class, it's once a week. Herding is whenever we get, you know, to go there. And then the other thing is they, I just find that my dogs, and I'm sure many other people that do sports are going to agree with this, that your dog just knows when they're at the location. Yeah. Whether they smell something Whether they smell, I, or they, they, or they hear, just feel it. Yeah, they, whatever the energy is. Yeah. They just, they know what's up. You know, mm-hmm. so yeah, I don't know. I've, I've, I, so those, yeah, they're, they're smarter. They're, they're really smart. Like, I, again, it might sound like I'm paranoid, but I've noticed that the puppy Zim, when I'm driving in my car and I have the GPS on, when Siri or whatever comes up and is like, you know, a turn is coming, like, anytime she comes up, it's because a turn is coming. I like hear him like brace himself in the crate. Like, cause he knows, like, you know what I mean? Like he knows, he knows a turn is coming. So he starts like anticipating like, Oh, the car is about to do a weird thing. So like, I better get used to it. Um, So, you you know, I remember Baloo used to remember when I would take him to the specific hiking spot because there was like a turn and then a railroad track. I was and just there was gonna... always like a turn in a railroad track and he would know he, he would hit the railroad track and he would start getting excited. Yeah. I was just going to say, I, I, I noticed like with my dogs, I noticed, especially on my parents' block, like mm-hmm. when we there, like when we're on the way, there's a, it's a very windy road. So usually yeah. like one of them will know like, Oh, we're getting close. And then mm-hmm. if we turn on the street, and they they'll know like the the particular the, bump or yeah. whatever they hit. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> no, they they totally learn stuff like that. Oh, yeah. Um, which I think is a good time to bring up the fact that like you gotta be aware of this stuff that's cueing them off in the environment. And then if you do want to have words, you want to try to say the word before the environment cues them up, because then otherwise the environment is going to cue them off. So so it's as simple as back to the toy stuff. If you take out your dog's favorite toy and then say, are you ready? Eh, You just fucked it up. Right. Because what happened first is what's going to turn your dog on. So you want to say, are you ready? Then take your toy out. And. Well, you... I don't think that that's, I mean, I, I'm not disagreeing with you, but the reality is, is that it's not going to, I don't want people hearing that saying, oh, I did it wrong. Cause the reality is, is that, I mean, it's, I don't think it's going to mess things up that bad. No, but it will. You know I'll, I'll explain it. It will though. And Go I'll ahead. explain to you why, because, because it, it might not matter in that moment, but mm-hmm. then when the environment is the on switch and then the environment replicates an on switch in a time where it's not one now your dog is on and then you're missing the whole point of the situation so what i mean by that is if you pick up a toy and then say are you ready um and your dog gets pumped up from you picking something up and then one day you pick up your cell phone and then the dog is like oh you picked up an object i'm on now 
right? I mean, and then the other benefit of it in the future is like, I can take a, a, my dog's favorite toy and pick it up and walk through my house and put it somewhere else and he doesn't turn on. Yeah. So like, it actually does matter. Like now, again, if you mess it up and you mix yeah. it up, it's not the end of the world. Like, don't worry about it. But like, you're not really doing what we're talking about. We're doing. Yeah, I understand what, what you're is, saying. I just yeah, mean, we want it to be a verbal thing. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I understand what actually you're saying. So I'm glad you clarified it. You're, you're right on that. I, I just mean like, I don't, I don't want like, just because maybe you were doing it a certain way doesn't mean you can't teach the dog to do some, to do it differently or change your word up and just change like, Oh no. And you, and you totally, you totally can. Like once you figure out whatever words you're doing, what you do is one day you pick your toy up and you don't say ready before, and your dog is going to get all pumped because you just picked up the toy and you say your other word, you go, Nope, enough. We're not playing right now. And then the dog goes, huh, that's weird. You know, now you got to be careful. Like if your dog is getting frustrated, if your dog is spinning in circles, if your dog is barking their head off, like hire a trainer, get help. Like it's not, you know, like you have to do this stuff gradually. Sometimes in a podcast, we're like, we're making it seem like, oh, you just do this now and then you're good, (laughs) you know, but like it it is, it, it, there is a benefit to it. So sometimes it's hard to know like what is, what's actually turning the dog on. You know what I mean? Like, you know, a, a big popular one is people sitting down, right? <laughs> because like, you know, you sit down on the couch, the dog runs over when they're a puppy and starts biting your legs and they're cute. So you start petting them and then you pick them up and then they start biting on you and you go, oh no. But when you say no, you start pushing them. And then now you're basically playing push and go with your puppy. And then they start biting on your arm and now you're playing tug with them on the couch, you know, and they learn that early on. And then in six months, a guest sits down on the couch and your dog goes nuts and mugs them and jumps all over them. It's like, yeah, because the sitting down on the couch is that dog's on signal. Oh, when someone sits, it's time to go. You know, I think that's why sometimes um, the talking on the phone is a big one, not all the time. But I think it's because like when you're at home alone with your dog, I mean, unless you're having full conversations with yourself by yourself, you're not really talking a lot, right? Or you might be talking to them or whatever, you're listening to music, you're doing stuff that you're not like walking around talking. And then you just start talking in the air and your dog's confused because like, to your dog, they might think that like, oh, talking means they're trying to engage with me. Cause a lot of times you start engaging with your dog, you start talking to them. So now the, the dog doesn't know you're on the phone. They just hear that you're talking. So they're like, oh, talking, like that means treats or food or toys or play or, or attention, but wait, they're not looking at me. Why? And then they start barking. Cause it's like, it's almost the equivalent of like, you take out a bunch of treats and then you stand in front of your dog and then you don't give them any, they start getting frustrated because again, like an expectation was set maybe and I'm, I'm talking about like this is a possibility i'm not saying every dog that barks at their owner on the phone is because of this you know but it's just one possibility that i've noticed with certain clients you well, know also the other thing is is that we all do this you do it i do it like when we when we're doing these podcasts there are times where our dogs will come over to us and we'll give them attention and not mm-hmm. even realize it like you remember mm-hmm. that one day Remember that one day we were doing the podcast and you started you started tugging with your dog and then at the yeah. end you're like, I didn't even realize I was doing that. Yeah, and then you know, I was like, this some- is bad because then the last it was like I didn't even think I brought it up until the next time we did a podcast. And that's actually what happened is like the next time I was sitting here talking, then you yeah. started bringing that toy over to the chair, and I was like, oh, yeah. that was never yeah. again. And, and, and like, <laughs> yeah, and I mean, like, some dogs are going to be like that intense and know right away it worked, and some dogs might try and like maybe come back over maybe they'll feel it out or whatever but but like sometimes you don't even realize it so like the, the 
Zoom calls or phone calls are a good example because the person's not physically there with us. Maybe they don't always see you on the other end, depending if it's a phone call or not. And you could just start petting your dog because your dog just came over to like investigate or see what's up. And then all of a sudden you start giving them attention and then it can kind of build up into something else from there. And whereas one thing I teach, one thing I want to just say is one thing I teach clients a lot, especially now with, with a lot of clients working from home, I try and make it a point to go over when we sit down that depending on what the context is and, and the situ the living situation, I try and teach owners like when we're sitting down, maybe that's a time where we should be giving our dog something to do, whether that's chewing on a bone, whether like, like now, I mean, you haven't even seen my dog come up over here. I'm sitting on the couch. She could have come over here at, you know, in the past 40 minutes and she hasn't because she's just on her dog bed, chewing on her bone right now. And I made it a point when she was younger that when I'm on a call that, okay, I know I have some time that I can set her up to just kind of hang out and be over there with her bone. And I also know like, all right, that call maybe isn't the most important thing. So I can like, if I need to go over there and just adjust something, I can, if it's like a really important business call or something, not the time to really do that with your puppy. But, but just as an example, like teaching your dog when I'm sitting, like, especially at the dinner table, like when I'm sitting at the dinner table, I don't want dogs bothering me when i eat like that's a big no-no for me that's just how i am i don't want you bothering You're me when so i'm mean eating. i give my dogs yeah. pizza crust and i now, i don't mind my... like you could hang out in the kitchen <laughs> you can hang out wherever like my dogs generally are hanging out in their dog bed happy to give you whatever you want when you're over there but i don't want you bugging me or bothering me when i'm eating and it's just it was just as simple as okay every time i sit at the table i'm giving you something to keep busy on on your dog bed if that's where i want you for example Mm-hmm. anyway yeah yeah no i like that too um obviously work on that get your dog out and active while you're up and then practice coming in sitting down watching tv sitting down on the computer going on the phone whatever you're doing and then teaching them to settle in a way that you don't have to really be active on that like they're they're maintained and then back to what we were saying before is like once you do do some of this stuff like like I can then call my puppy over right now while we're talking and give him attention or he can come over and like kind of ask for it and I could give it to him for a little bit. And then then <laughs> once I'm done, I can say, you know, like, hey, all done, go chill out and then disengage from him. And then instead of him getting all like, wait, like, why are you telling me that? Like he's going to go and I wish right. yeah, we don't have video on this, but like, you know, he just kind of then walks away and settles down. Um yeah. You yeah. Know. And I think that's actually, I think that's important to just bring up is, is these, all these little things, all these little like tips and everything are kind of the way that you can get to that, that point, that end goal in a way. So like yeah. what I was saying in the very beginning, that proactive versus being reactive, I, I, I'm not saying that redirecting your dog is wrong. I do it. I've done it with my puppies. I mean, like I, I do, it with, I show my clients how to do it, but we also need to be proactive by setting up certain things correctly. So maybe our dog doesn't do something like that the next time, if we don't want it to be that way. So we're not just teaching owners only to redirect their dog. Every time the dog latches onto your pants when they're teething. 
okay, instead let's set up the puppy. So that way maybe they're in the environment to be set up differently. Like I was saying, when I'm eating dinner, my puppy knows, okay, when I eat, I'm going to send you over to the bed. Here's something to chew on instead of bothering me at the table. Um, you know, and then over time, all these little things like enough or ready, or, you know, all the words that you're just kind of, uh, the phrases and things that you're just kind of teaching your dog can eventually like they start to kind of just happen on their own as you're being more consistent. So that, and then, that's where I meant with the proactive versus. Yeah. Reactive. And then not to open up a whole can of worms, but uh oh, this is also super important in a multi-dog households, right? Yes. Like, yes, yes. If you have multiple dogs, like the, the best piece of advice I can give anyone multiple dogs, because I have three now is each dog should have time where they're isolated. And I don't mean like take one dog and throw them in the cellar or like lock them up in a room. <laughs> I mean, like take one dog out for a walk by itself. Take yeah. one dog to the yard and play with it by itself. Take one dog oh into boy. the basement now, and do some training oh by boy. itself. Don't just let wild time. Like, so like Zim and Spencer really like each other. And then guess what happened when I would let Zim out of the crate? Guess what? That was a signal to Spencer. That was an on switch for Spencer. It's playtime. It's not so time. Right. Yeah. And then that then made Zim come out of the crate super wild and amped up and crazy because him coming out of the crate would pump Spencer up, would pump Zim up. And then now a simple action of just letting Zim out of the crate turned into a ready signal for WWF mayhem in my backyard, yeah. <laughs> right? So then now the picture I needed to show was like, okay, you know what, Spencer? Like, I'm going to put you out in the yard first. You're going to go to the bathroom and then I'm going to give you frozen busy work in your room and I'm going to shut the baby gate and you have a whole room with a frozen food and you get to work on that. And then I'm going to take Zim out sometimes. Now, sometimes they're all out and I let it happen, right? And it's just WWF again, but I needed to create those, you know, again, predictable expectations because it can you know get some freaking amps yeah now and now you did open a can of worms because then that goes into the whole thing about for me when i like when i have clients who have multiple dogs a lot of people and i'm not saying this in any bad way but i think a lot of a lot of dog owners look at oh well it's a friend for the other dog and maybe they are friends maybe they like each other but the reality is siblings cousins friends they all need alone time yep. you know like they all need they all need alone time and so i always teach clients that aside from just going on a walk while you're leaving the other one home or whatever give them that separate time whether you go out somewhere and leave the other one just by itself like it used to be or teach the puppy okay well you're, you're the new one here and I'm going on a walk with this one, or I'm going, you know, to my parents' house. So I'm going to leave you home in your crate because mm -hmm. they should learn to be independent. Like I, I, like I just had someone last week who, who said to me, Oh, you can, you can leave like your other dogs home by itself. Cause I brought one of my dogs with me to be a helper in yeah. this session. And I was like, yeah, why? And they're like, Oh my God. Like if I leave, I have to, I have to throw treats and sneak out of the house with one of the dogs. And it's, a, <laughs> no, you want to, you want to like teach, you want to teach your dogs to have that alone time and to be able to be separated because it's going to make life so much easier, you know? Anyway. Yeah. Cause again, like, if you think about it, if you, if you have two dogs, for, for example, and you bring them both outside and you play with them and you come in and you bring them both outside and you play with them and you come in, you bring them both outside and then. 
And then one day you take one of them outside, but not the other one. Again, back to what we're talking about. Expectation of a reinforcement or a reinforcement opportunity is the dog learned over and over and over again. When you bring Buddy outside with me, we have an amazing time. When we bring Buddy outside, I have an amazing time. And all of a sudden you brought Buddy out without me? Like, oh my God, what am I missing? Uh, and then they start freaking out. So like, again, with, with Zim early on, I intentionally like brought Baloo out right in front of him and played with him in the yard. Right. And like, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and again, in the beginning, like the window shades out to the yard where he could see him running around were shut and music in the house was on and a frozen, you know, uh, tux or whatever those West Paw design toy was in his crate and like he was already exercised first like all of that stuff is still there I'm not saying don't do that and and then over time gradually over the course of like a year now it's at the point where like I can come home Zim is still in his crate I don't even take him out first I take Blue out and I play Whoa. Frisbee in the yard for five or oh, ten minutes. boy now you open a whole nother can of worms that's a whole nother thing the crate thing that that's a big one I I just want to say once your puppy is is get is like pretty well potty trained or starting to be able to hold don't take him out right when you go don't home. take your puppy out of the crate right away that's important yeah. like I, well because again this, yeah I if you think about the sing the signals again mom yeah. comes home lets I, me out dad comes I just, home, lets me out yeah i just had this conversation with a client of mine in the morning actually is where the issue was mm-hmm. the puppy was the puppy is at an age where it can hold for a little bit so I said to him, don't, don't let the puppy run out of the crate right away. When you get up, go make yourself a cup of coffee. Let the dog just see. And then when you're ready, go let the dog out. Like, don't do that if your puppy is young, you know, and, yeah. and can't hold. Don't do that. But, but starting to create like those unpredictable scenarios, just because I come home does not mean it's, uh, I'm going to let you out of the crate. So if I come home from work or like today, I went hiking with Journey. I left Quest home. When I came home, she was in her crate and she was just lying there. She was just waiting until I would let her out. It's not like I just walked in and like, oh, let me run over and let her right out of the crate. Let me run over there and rush over to just like let her out. Like she Mm -hmm. was, she just knows to just like hang out and wait. So that's something super important. Yeah. And then, and then to your point, because we say like what puppies don't do it, but like, I could tell you what I did with my puppy. Cause you know, I got Zim at like the worst time I got him in the summer, which like, I was still boarding a lot of dogs at my house, which now I'm trying to do less of. Um, I had two other dogs of my own. I would wake up early because he had to go to the bathroom. I knew he had to go to the bathroom. He couldn't hold. And I would take him out. He would pee and he would poop. And then I would give him a West Paw frozen thing in his crate and put him right back in the crate. Even though he just went all night. He went all night, Anthony. How are you going to put him right back in the crate? But again, what was he going to do at that point if I let him out while I pottied all the other dogs? He was going to go crazy and be biting on them. And I'd be yelling, no. And then he'd be biting on my legs. And I'd be like, no, don't do that. No, do that. And I wouldn't be set up because I wouldn't have been proactive. And then I would have been fighting with him and getting mad at him and then drop it and give it to me. And what do you have? And all this shit while I'm trying to take care of my other dogs. So what I did was I took him out. He peed, he pooed. Maybe he romped around a little bit. And then I brought him in. I put him right back in the crate. Yes, right back yeah. in the crate. But guess what? He ate his breakfast frozen. Not in a bowl where he just like woofed it down. He had an enrichment session in an area where he was safe. And then he got to also watch all the other dogs do their thing and learn that it didn't really mean anything, right? Like they just go in and out and I'm sitting here with my bone. And then I took him out later when I was ready. Like, you know, it wasn't like I put him back in the crate and then left him in there until like one o'clock in the afternoon. But like, yeah, he went out, he did his business. I knew that he, he got out what he needed to get out. And then he was right back in. 
until yeah, I can I think handle him in a, is, in a that, successful way. No, that's important because I actually I did the same exact thing with Quest and and when Journey was a puppy too. And the thing is, is and I'm sure you get this all the time with puppy clients. The the one thing is, what do like? Okay, I woke up in the morning. What's the schedule like? The schedule could be there's no schedule. The dog could just go to the bathroom, or, bring the yeah, dog and back what, in, and you can give your dog something to keep busy with, whether it's in the crate, in the playpen. It doesn't mean just because you woke up and I brought you to the bathroom, now it's time to take on the day. And what I get, too, is I get the dogs, the puppies. Most puppies, at least that I see, the times that their, their owners are getting most upset with them or they're questioning the most are when the kids are getting ready for school, when the kids are getting off of the bus and when they're eating dinner, right? Yes. And then what's happening is like, say the, I don't even know what time kids go on buses these days anymore, but like, say it's 8 a.m. in the morning. Like they tell me that the puppy wakes up at seven is like an angel and fine. And then from 7.35 until eight o'clock, the time that's most busy, the dog is crazy and biting everyone and jumping on the counters and going nuts. And then the kids go on the bus and then the puppy sleeps in the kitchen on the floor and, and we don't do anything with it. And then right when it saves up all of its energy, it's in time for the kids to get home and then they're all nuts again. So instead it's like, wake up, take your puppy out, let them go to the bathroom and all this stuff. I don't know how we got all the way to this, but uh, I don't know. We're here. Know. We're here. Now we're just going, but into we're going off on another thing. But again, expectations is like, cause again, but it is related because again, what can kids getting up and ready for, you know, ready for school signal? Oh, this is crazy time. I'm going to run around biting everyone's legs. So yeah. instead you could teach your puppy, look, wake up 20 minutes before your kids take them out. They pee, they poop, play with them in the yard for a little bit, 10 minutes if you have it, and then put them in the crate with the Kong frozen, whatever, while the kids are getting ready for school. It's 20 minutes. It's like 20, 30 minutes. Then when the kids are gone, take the puppy out and do some training, take it for a walk, do whatever you want, and then put them in the crate again and then take them out and just repeat it. You know, instead, it's like people are leaving the puppy out when they're getting ready for school and then they're bringing yeah. the puppy to the bus stop. And it's like, yeah, yeah, there we go. Now, look what you made me do. You tried to end the episode like an hour ago. And I was like, no. <laughs> but it's all interrelated. I but think this is. Least. Yeah, the reality is it's all it's all related. I mean, it's all it's just different. I think that this is good, though, because I think it painted a lot of different pictures of the concept of being proactive versus just reactive, honestly. Yeah. So I think this is good. I agree. Let's wrap it up. All right. Well, that's it, guys. Class dismissed. Bye. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Canine Classroom. If you like the show, make sure to smack that like button, share the show with your friends, and give us a rating. Until next time, class dismissed. Bye.